probably going to be in Seymour, Indiana at 4 o'clock service this afternoon, so that could be a long ride if I did that. Amen. Uh, it is so good to be with you today and the Arthur family. Give honor to them and to Bishop and his wife, um, first missionaries to China, yes, and the missionary evangelists, so uh, that's our heartbeat as well as evangelism, so um, I'm excited to rub shoulders with people like this. Amen. Uh, what a tremendous spirit of the Lord that is here today. We are so excited to be with you and uh, to share for a few moments what the Lord is doing in Malawi before we go into the word of the Lord. And uh, thank you for your hospitality. Thank you for the worship today. What a beautiful building and property you have. You're very blessed. Amen. And what wonderful worship today. Uh, it's exciting to talk about what God is doing. Uh, we have just started our deputation about three weeks ago, so we are on this side of it. But I love to come home and share with what God is doing with the North American church because you're a part of that. And revival is spreading everywhere. Uh, make sure you know we are in Malawi, Africa, because many times people think we are in Maui. And they think we're in Hawaii somewhere. And we have a lot of people want to come visit until they find out it's Malawi, not Maui. So then it changes the dynamics a little bit. But... Uh, we, we are in Malawi, South Central Africa. We've been there since 2011. Uh, actually began our missionary work, my missionary work, as an aimer in 1997 in West Africa, Nigeria, and Cameroon. And I was talking with, got to meet Brother Martin this morning. Where's he at? I think he slipped out. But Oh, there he is right there. You were there. Now you're here. My Lord. But uh, we were talking about Nigeria and uh, was there as an aimer. And I was telling Brother Arthur this morning, I actually met my wife in Nigeria. She was an aimer also. I was there for six months, and she showed up after six months. And as they say, the rest is history. But I learned something. You follow the will of God, and he'll bring everything you need into your life. And uh, I didn't have to go following her. I didn't have to, to drag her across the continent of Africa. God already put that in her. And we laughed about it when we looked at our passports. They were five days apart. And I said, why did you get yours? She said, God told me I would need it. He showed me Africa. I said, same exact thing happened to me at the age of 19. Uh, I was in pre-med at Ohio State. I'm out of Gary Keller's church in Lancaster, Ohio, and uh, studying sports medicine, wanted to be a sports surgeon, but God had different plans, and I thank God for that today. And uh, it's tremendous how God does all things well and puts things together. So uh, it's been my wife's passion and her heartbeat for Africa, and God knew that was mine as well that he placed in us. Malawi is an amazing nation, very small in the continent of Africa, we're only the size of West Virginia, which is very small, uh, yet we have 20 million people in our nation. But God has allowed with that great population a great revival. When we came into Malawi, it was already a seasoned work. Uh, we had 400 churches in the nation at that time. Now we have 700 in the nation of Malawi. God has allowed a great revival to break out in our country, and we thank Him for that. Um, it's been tremendous to see the Lord moving. We have had over 6,700 people in just the last three years baptized in the name of Jesus. And we thank the Lord for that this morning. Amen. The waters of baptism are being troubled in Malawi. 13,039 people in the last three years have received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues. So God is still pouring out of his spirit upon all flesh. And it's happening in Malawi, known as the warm heart of Africa. Why are we called the warm heart? Not because of our temperatures, but because of the nature of our people. Malawians are very kind, very considerate. We've never had a civil war. Uh, but the Lord has moved tremendously. Uh, what I've loved over the last several years is how God has stepped in in ways we've not expected. We expect revival in our Sunday school. We expect revival in our crusades. We expect revival in our evangelistic thrusts. But God just sometimes likes to show up and do things His way. And I love it when that happens. Uh, and the way God has showed up in our country out of the ordinary is God has begun to move in our funeral services. And our funerals in Malawi are not much different than they are here in the U.S. Our pastors are there to comfort people that are facing loss, encourage them, strengthen them. But right in the middle of our funeral services, our pastors have just been preaching the gospel. And the Lord has been moving in the midst of that. Amen. And just several months ago, it was exciting uh, in the district of Malangi, which is close to a 10,000-foot mountain. We have coffee and tea. We were the first country in Africa to have tea. And there is coffee there after service. If you are interested, you can find all of that. But you know what? One of our pastors died unexpectedly, early 50s. 
and it was devastating because I just met with him several weeks earlier, and he was just joyful and, and no signs of any health issues. Uh, during his funeral, 300 people gathered together, and right in the middle of his funeral, not afterwards when people are having a meal, but right in the middle of the funeral, the gospel starts going forward, and the Lord begins moving on the hearts of people. During his funeral, 110 people stood up and said, we are ready for baptism now because we want to go where our pastor has gone. They walked down to the river, they dammed it up, and they baptized 110 people in the glorious name of Jesus. And over the last three years, 407 people have been baptized in funerals in the nation of Malawi. I thank God for that today. God is stepping into the midst of where there's sorrow and despair, but he is bringing strength and he is bringing comfort. God is doing great things in this hour. We are seeing the Lord move mightily in our campuses, in our universities across Malawi. Uh, I am the campus ministries director for the entire continent of Africa, so I work with all of our countries and universities, and God is moving into our universities. We are seeing Muslims receive the Holy Ghost. Uh, it was exciting just uh, several years, actually last year in Tanzania, uh, Brother Showalter, our global campus ministries director, was there visiting with the smokes. They went in uh, with a contact. The young lady said, I've got an open door into a university. He said, great, let's go. They get there, find out it's a Catholic seminary. And they're thinking, well, this isn't the door we were really expecting. And what are we going to have? And the head of the university said, what are you going to be doing? He said, we're preaching Jesus. He said, that's fine. Go into this room. 200 students gathered there together. And while they were speaking, just like in the book of Acts, the power of God began to fall and people began to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost in a Catholic seminary. Our God is doing things in this hour. And you know what? We are all part of that. Revival is happening everywhere. The Lord is moving mightily. We are seeing revival in our refugee camps. And it's been tremendous. Um, I met a man several years ago. And, and you know how you meet somebody within... 15 seconds, you know God is doing something. I looked at my wife and I said, something's happening. And I met a young man named Baraka, didn't know his story, found out he was from Congo. He was a refugee. He had fled to Malawi. He didn't know where his mother and father and family was, escaped with his life, had been there for several years. And I said, will you come to our service tomorrow? He said, yes, I will. We had a campus crusade in our university in our capital city of Lilongwe. Baraka came to the service, went to the altar. God filled him with the power of the Holy Ghost. And while I'm driving him back into the city, uh, he looks over at me and he says, missionary, he said, uh, I need to know, how do you baptize? And I said, we baptize in Jesus' name. And he starts crying and weeping. And I thought, well, you know, I don't understand. I know it's powerful, but, you know, I don't understand what's going on. And Baraka looked at me. He said, you also then believe Jesus is God. And I said, we do. And he said, I've been looking for you people a long time. He said, when I was a little boy, he said, a missionary came through the Congo, preached this message to my father, and my father taught it to me. And he said, every Sunday, I've been using money that I've been able to put together from doing odd jobs to uh, go take a minibus into the city. I sat through the services, and I wait till the end, and I talked to the pastor about baptism. He said, I've been looking for for you people. You know what? God has now allowed us to begin to build a church outside of the refugee camp. And over 250 people are attending that church right now from the refugee camp. God is doing a work in this hour. Revival is happening on every side. And it's because of God's goodness. The church in August of 2019, we celebrated our 40th anniversary of apostolic ministry in the nation of Malawi. We were very blessed to have our general superintendent uh, Brother Bernard there to preach, also my pastor, Brother Keller, many of the former missionaries, and it was a wonderful celebration of what God was doing. But what stood out to me the most was on uh, that Sunday, thousands of people gathered at our Bible school campus in the city of Blantyre, which is a little over a million and a half people. And they blocked, up, blocked the streets, the police, and they allowed us to march down the streets singing and worshiping all the way to the convention center. And it was a day I will never forget. God is doing something great. But what I told my kids, it's not about the 40 years that's gone, but I want to see God do greater things even now in this hour and moving forward. I, I don't want my children to be raised in an apostolic church only seeing the miracles of the past. I want them to see and hear them and experience them now. And that's that's what we are in this hour. Jesus said, greater things than these shall you do. And those are happening in this hour. And I want to be a part of that. Um, it was exciting to hear about Save Our Children 
that you are uh, supporting. It is a tremendous ministry. In May of last year, Brother Cannon sent three teams into South Africa, one, a team into Zambia, and a team into Malawi. We had 1,600 children between ages 6 to 16 that came to our crusade. 577 of those beautiful little children received the gift of the Holy Ghost in one day. You know what? It is a worthy thing. Fund it, support it, pray for it, because those children are going to grow up and be powerful in the kingdom of God. And some of them have no hope. They have nothing, but they got the power of God with them, and it forever changes their lives. God is doing things. Malawi, we are an incredibly poor country. Uh, we are always in the top 10 poorest nations in the world. And to give you an idea what that means, that means uh, an average family in Malawi has five children. So you've got mom and dad and five kids. The average family lives on about 600 US dollars a year. So that gives you an idea. Most of our people, 85% of our nation walks about three to five miles a day for drinking water. Uh, all of them sleep on uh, bamboo floor mats. 85% of the country, even in the cities, many of them still cook with charcoal every day. And uh, many of our uh, villages that are out of the cities don't have electricity, of course, running water. But what's amazing enough is they all have cell phones. <laughs> so technology has caught up. And they will uh, hire a, a, a bicycle taxi into a little trading post. Or they will buy a small solar charger for their cell phone. So that, that makes me laugh still to this day when you go into these remote areas and everybody's on their phone talking to somebody. So it's just amazing. But you know what? God has allowed those things to be a blessing. And, and I've watched in our country, even though we're always in the top 10 poorest nations, we're always in the top 10 happiest nations in the world. So that proves to me what well, Jesus said, that life does not consist in the things a man possesses. So happiness is not found in what we wear and how many zeros are in the bank account. True happiness is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And, and I'm glad they understand that. I'm glad today we understand that, that we are blessed beyond any measure because we know who he is. We are blessed today. We have seen uh, tragedy hit our nation as well. It's not been all revival all of the time. Uh, but in 2019, we had a cyclone, which is a hurricane that came into Mozambique and came into Malawi. 1,305 people died. Um, the waters uh, knocked down 12 of our UPC churches in Malawi. And we had nine feet of water standing in most of our cities for about two weeks. Uh, it was unbelievable. People in the lower parts of our country where the water was flooded so heavily were living in trees for weeks, literally, waiting for people to come in boats or helicopters to rescue them because most of them can't swim, and if you can swim, you don't want in the water because the rivers have overflowed. Now you've got crocodiles and hippos moving everywhere, and they are looking for something to eat. It was uh, something like I've never seen before. But you know what? With those 12 churches going down, the North American church helped us tremendously. People from all across the U.S. began to donate to that, and it was tremendous. And I can testify today that all 12 of those churches are completely rebuilt, and they are in them worshiping. They've already had service today. God has already poured out his spirit today, and that's because of the giving of the North American church. And what happened was people kept giving and kept blessing in our country and helping us with our village churches. Village churches are still made with handmade bricks. You can still reach up and touch the ceiling in most places where they just have iron sheets. Those little buildings would fit just on this side of this beautiful building today. But 100 people will squeeze in there tight. We're, they're not like Americans. Look around. Everybody's got space. You know, unless you're with your wife and you've got your arm like this guy. If, if you're sitting next to a stranger, you know, we, we like to move around and have space. Uh, in Africa and in Malawi, there, is no, there are space invaders. They will get next to you. It's vertical worship. There's no room to move. And they will pack out those little buildings. But you know what? God blessed uh, the American church to bless us. And sit, over the last six months then, on top of those 12 churches that were destroyed, that we rebuilt, we've been able to build 20 new village churches on top of that. So Amen. we thank God for that today, that he has blessed and moved, and it is how we go hand in hand with the North American church and overseas. It's the blessings of God as we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? Amen. Our Bible school, let me share this with you quickly. It has been tremendous. Apostolic Bible College in Blantyre. It has been a tremendous blessing. The, the foundation of any work in any country, in my opinion, is the Bible school because you have to train men and women 
to lead the gospel and to move forward. And just in the last um, nine years in Malawi, we have had over 300 men and women come through our Bible school. And now those 300 people are pastoring over 15,000 people in the nation of Malawi. And they are reaching people we could never reach. Amen. So there's an investment. When you pour into the life of a Bible school student, it forever changes the course of history in the kingdom of God. And we are very, very grateful for that. Um, I want my wife to prepare to come in just a moment. And uh, she's going to share with you a few things. But one of the things that we are focusing on right now, our greatest need as we are traveling, is we want to take care of our daughter, Jacy that you've seen earlier. MK education overseas is quite expensive. Uh, in the international schools, um, they are very expensive compared to the states, and we don't have free education. But I want our daughter never to look back and say that the mission came before her. Both of my children, my son Caleb is 18 and he is a freshman at Indiana Bible College. And I told both of our kids, I said, I will come home and we will sit on a pew and be the best saints a pastor ever had long before we lose you. I said, this is all about our family. It's not about mom and dad. And that is something that is very, very important to us. And if you can help with that in any way, shape or form, please see your pastor. We have been asking churches that we have traveled this year that if we could get 20 people, it's 2020 of the year. If 20 people could give $20 a month for a year, that would help us with her schooling for that year. And that will be a tremendous blessing. I want my wife to come at this time. As I said, I am very blessed to have a wonderful helpmate. She does a tremendous work in the nation of Malawi, working with our ladies and with our Sunday school. And I can't tell you everything else she does because we would be here all day. But I am very, very blessed. And I want her to share with you whatever God has placed on her heart. Praise the Lord. I don't work as much as he does. <laughs> but I am so glad to be here today. Awesome presence of God that was in our worship time. And I know my husband's getting ready to minister, but I just want to take a quick moment and say thank you to Ladies Memorial for all you do for us as missionaries. You provide our uh, appliances, which I wouldn't know what to do without them. <laughs> um, and you also assist us with our Bible school. Um, you almost, there's no way the students could come on the finances they have in, the, in Malawi because they're so poor if it wasn't for Ladies Memorial assisting and uh, funding them with their Bible school. Um, it helps with the food and the electricity and they kind of help, they uh, give a small amount to go towards their books and things like that. So thank you for being part of the revival and having over 15,000 souls from those Bible school students. Thank you for that. Thank you to She's for Christ. Thank you to our youth department for our vehicle that takes us and gives us wills to move forward in the harvest that we're experiencing. I also want to thank this past year as my husband was talking about the flooding and all the things that transpired. It was Ladies Memorial that stepped in in the Arkansas district and gave us water filters to go into the villages and provide them clean water. And these filters were last 10 years because the, the waters were flooded. It contaminated all of the uh, boreholes and all the drinking water. So we were able to provide them with drinking water. And so they were able to have life again because, you know, sometimes you can't live without water. It's something that seems so basic, but when you don't have it and it's been taken from you, sometimes you forget how blessed you are in America. The simple things in life, the blessings of God and the favor. God is so good to us. I was thinking as um, my husband was talking earlier about this past year in, in 2019 and the hardships that came this whole year. And it was unbelievable. But in those hardships, God stretched us. God molded us. God pulled upon us to take us to another level. And I'll never forget in one time we were having a prayer meeting in our home. And there's many days we sent our workers home and just said, locked ourselves in and said, God, we need a word today. And in the midst of that, we received a packet, which we never receive our mail packs very fast. We may get our mail packs two years late. We may get JC's Christmas gifts and birthday cards two years late. But that's just how it is in Malawi. But that particular month, I looked at the little label at the top corner, and it had only been a few, a few weeks that it had been mailed out. And when I opened it up, it was a CD inside, I mean, DVD inside from Brother Howe, and it had a white handkerchief inside. 
and it said, you see this in black letters across the white hanky. And so we, in the midst of our prayer meeting, sat down and we put the DVD in. And God began to speak into our lives and gave us a specific word for that moment. You know what? It doesn't matter where you are on this earth. God will send you a word. And he will give you exactly what you need. I'll never forget giving that handkerchief to my son. And they looked at me like I was silly. And I'll remember, I said, we're going to have a march through the house. And we're going to claim this territory. And we're going to wave this hanky high. And we're going to say, you see this devil. We will conquer. We will move forward. And we will have revival. Revival starts in our homes first. If you want revival in your houses, you've got to have prayer meetings in your houses. Prayer meetings are not just for church time, but as an everyday lifestyle of giving unto God our praise and our worship and giving adoration unto Him. And you know what? Sometimes you just need to stop in the middle of the day and wave the handkerchief high and say, you see this devil, we will move forward in Jesus' name. God bless you today. Praise the Lord. The Lord is faithful. If you have your Bibles, let's go into the word of the Lord today. Again, what a great privilege and honor it is to be with you and to minister the word of God. My children have heard me say it their entire lives that I've never in my entire life, I was raised in the church, blessed for that, but I've never in my entire life gone into the house of God hungry and needing something from God and left without it. It's never happened. And sometimes it came from the minister preaching, sometimes from those singing. Sometimes it was just a, a saint of God that patted me on the back and said exactly what I needed to hear as a young man. But you know what? It's all in the house of God. There's power in his presence. And let's go into the word of the Lord. Job chapter 1, verse 8 through 12. And the Lord said unto Satan, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, one that feareth God? And escheweth evil. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made a hedge about him and about his house and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now and touch all that he hath and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. And I just want to speak today from this subject for a few moments. What will you do when the hedge comes down? I will worship. What will you do when the hedge comes down? I've learned I will worship. Let's lift our hands and voices if you would with me. Lord, I thank you today for this great church. I thank you for the sweet spirit of the Lord that is here, Lord, in your presence. I thank you for your divine timing, Lord. I pray today, Lord, that you will give me the anointing to speak, Lord, and your people ears to hear. Bind us together in the spirit of unity that the will of God can be accomplished today, God. You know what we have need of, Lord, as a people, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, for your presence that is here. I thank you, Lord, that you keep us, Lord. Lead us and guide us and that you are orchestrating your will in our lives. I thank you for this today. And let the church say amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord. What will you do when the hedge comes down? We find in verse 10, Satan saying, you've made a hedge around Job. And as we begin to read that scripture a little bit further, and we begin to see how Satan begins to testify on Job's behalf, but we could also simply put ourselves in the position of Job because God has blessed us with a hedge around us as well. And God has kept us. And, and Satan testified and he said, you've put a hedge around Job. That's why everything is going good in his life. And, and you've put the hedge not just around him, but around his house. And about all that he hath on every side. And thou hast blessed the work of his hands and his substance has increased. I thank God today that that is true for us as the children of God. That he has put a hedge around us on every side. He has blessed the work of our hands. Everything that we have we can say it is from the goodness of God and God alone. Every perfect and good gift comes from the father of lights. He's given us all of these things and we are blessed today. And, and I don't know why I'm, I'm preaching this other side of it today. 
But the question is, and, and invariably it will happen, any minister or preacher that tells you living for God is going to be a bed of roses and it's going to be easy, they're not telling you the truth. But they will tell you it is the greatest life you will ever live. And I've learned something. We all face funerals. We all face sickness. We all face heartache. But those without God face it alone. But those with God, he is a friend that is closer than a brother. And though I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. He is my author and my finisher and my very present help in time of trouble. There's something about the trial. When God is in it, I can make it through it. And I'm not going to worry about what I'm facing. And we all can testify that the trial of our faith, it is more precious than gold and more valuable than gold. Why? Because we understand that when the trial and the trouble comes, we are not alone. And I'm asking someone today, the Lord is asking someone rather, what will you do when that hedge comes down? What will you do when the Lord allows the enemy to come in like a flood? What will we do in our walk with God? Because it's in those moments, it's in that crucible that you realize how powerful God is. I, I know it's probably not the best uh, environment, but Ben Hogan, the famous golfer, he said, I learned more in my defeats than in my victories. And, and I tell people, I would have loved to have been one of those young ministers or men of God that just had somebody pour into me every day of my life. But it didn't happen that way. Pastor Keller came along in my 20s, and it has been a tremendous blessing all of those years up till now, and his mentorship and, and, and love and care for our family. But I tell people, I learned how to do things by watching others how not to do it. <laughs> I would walk away from environments and circumstances and say, if I ever have an opportunity, I won't do that, and I won't do that. And you know what? When you know what not to do, it allows you to kind of know what to do. And sometimes the Lord allows the hedge to come down in our lives to allow us to see another facet of God and just how great he is. And when we begin to study these scriptures and we begin to see in these things, I, I don't think any of us would argue the point that that our tragedies probably don't all together amount to Job's in a single day. What this man faced was incredible. And if you begin to just look at Job's losses, it's easy for us to begin to compartmentalize them and begin to say he lost his wealth because of all of the animals. He lost his children. He lost his own health. And, and all of those things come under attack. And, and people will say Job lost his wealth was the first thing because of all the animals. But with a little bit more study and beginning to look at the scripture, when you look at Job chapter 1 and verse 5, it says, And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about, that Job sent and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. What Job was doing every day of his life was he was gathering together sacrifices to offer them unto the Lord for his children. He was offering worship unto the Lord. The first thing the enemy attacked was not Job's wealth. It was his ability to worship. He killed every animal he had and his tactics don't change. When we get into a battle, the first thing the enemy will always attack is our worship. I'm telling somebody today when the hedge comes down it's time to worship. Don't hang your head down. Don't sit down in despair. But in the midst of your battle we've still got to worship him and glorify him. And when a man or woman of God worships in the middle of the battle, the enemy doesn't know what to do with us. It blows up his plan in the water if you will. He doesn't know what to do when tragedy comes and you still say God is good and God is great. He doesn't know what to do when you lose your job and you say it's all right, the Lord is my provider. He doesn't know what to do with us when sickness and infirmity comes against us and we say it's all right, the Lord is my helper and the Lord is my healer and by his stripes I will be healed. He doesn't know what to do with us when we lose friends. And we say, you know what? The Lord is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. The enemy, I'm telling you, if you want to drive the enemy crazy, when trouble comes into your life, don't complain. Don't murmur. And that's something I learned as a young man because it was easy for me to, when trouble came, to say, God, what did I do wrong? 
What's the problem? What's happening? But I learned quickly, just stay quiet, Chris. Just keep quiet, otherwise you're lengthening the test. (laughs) Instead of 40 years in the wilderness, this could have been done in nine days. That's how long it should have taken Israel. But because of the murmuring and the complaining and not understanding that God was trying to show them who he really was, God just wants to magnify himself in our lives. God just wants to show another facet to us. If we only see God from this perspective, we don't see God from this angle and from that angle. And God wants to show us all of the different facets of his ability in our lives. When the hedge comes down, what will you do? You've got to worship. I remember, uh, and I'll tell this story quickly, before we went to Malawi, my wife was a very healthy person. And I noticed in about a year, she went from being incredibly healthy to being out of breath, just doing anything. And long story short, we found out that a virus had attacked her body, but instead of getting the flu, it attacked her heart muscle. And her ejection fracture rate of her heart dropped, should be 50%, dropped below 5%. And I remember being in the hospital, the doctor looking at me and saying, your wife may not make it through the night, but all the while, I kept remembering, God, you called us to Africa. God, you've got something for us to do. And this isn't the end of it, and I'm gonna trust you. You know what? God touched her before we went back, healed her completely, and the doctor doctor said the heart doesn't regenerate and I knew that from studies but God stepped in so let's fast forward now we're in Malawi and that was in the back of my mind and I come home from a business meeting one day from the church unexpectedly I walk in the house and she is just white as a sheet she is clammy and sweating and I looked at her I said what's wrong and she said I don't even want to say anything I don't even want to speak it out of the air and I said no what, what is wrong and she said, whatever happened with my heart, I feel like it's happening again. And, and I can be honest, all of a sudden in that moment, the hedge came down. And fear began washing over us. Because you know what? We were far away from Columbus, Ohio and, and, and Mount Carmel Hospital and all of those cardiologists. And, and we're in a third world country. And our hospitals, you, you go there to die. You don't go there to get better. And uh, it, it's the last place you want to go. And and I'm thinking, Lord, what do we do? You know what we did? We did what she did said today. We grabbed hands in the laundry room because that's where we were, standing in a circle. And we said, God, we don't know what else to do. What do you want for us? Lord, what do you want us to do? And as fast as we prayed, within seconds, the Lord spoke to me. And he said, take her to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. And you know what my response was? God, I'm not going to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. That's the worst place we could ever go. And I know In Richmond, you don't talk to God that way, but missionaries in Malawi, we do. (laughs) And and I wasn't saying it with an attitude, but I I was just, you know, I didn't even say it out loud. It was in my mind. I'm thinking this is the last place we want to go because it's a terrible, I mean, they think everything is the flu. They can't diagnose anything. You know, there's mosquitoes in there with malaria. It's the last place I want to take her. And you know what? I I, I said, Lord, I just don't want to go there. And the Lord spoke to me again and said, take her quickly. Do not linger, but go now. And I thought, well, maybe she's really in bad shape. I better pay attention. And I told my wife, I said, we need to go to the hospital. We're going to Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. And my wife looks at me and she says, I'm not going there. And now I'm thinking, yes, we're teaming up on God. See, she don't want to go either. See, God, I told you, it's not a good place to go. And she's in agreement with me. She said, I'm not going there. And, and I said, Lord, and see, and in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, see, this is, we're together. This isn't good. And the Lord spoke to me and said, take her quickly. Do not linger. And I told her that again. She said, if the Lord told you that, let's get in the car. I'll go. So we show up at Seventh-day Adventist Hospital. I, I walk in. And I look around, there's not a living soul anywhere in the hospital. Nobody. And in my mind, the head just come down. In my mind, God, why are we here? Waste of time. Hurry, don't linger for what? There's no one here. I look over to the counter, and, and behind the counter, there's a lady sleeping. And again, in my mind, I'm thinking, hurry, don't linger. Go quickly for what? So I don't wake her up from her nap? Why am I here, God. I don't understand this. We're here doing the work of God. You healed her of all this. Why are we here? Why has the hedge come down? I don't understand all of this. And, uh, and I said, ma'am, I'm sorry to wake you, but this is a hospital. My wife is sick. And if you haven't noticed, I'm, I'm an orange personality. I'm high energy. I'm high strung. Um, my wife is the complete opposite. That's how we survive. Amen. Amen. <laughs> um, but I, I said, ma'am, my wife is very sick. She needs a pro- her, is having a problem with her heart. And the lady says, we don't do that here anymore. And in my mind again, I literally said, God, hurry, don't linger. For what? 
And the lady says, but there is a new division in the back of the hospital that is helping with cardiologists uh, cardiology, but the problem is they, it takes two weeks notice to get in and they're already closed for the day. And I heard that and I said, well, we'll go look anyway. And she's yelling at us down the hallway. They're already closed. And I said, it's okay, we're going anyway. And, and I'm just, you know, I'm panicking. We're going down the hallway. The hedges come down. I'm fearful, I'm nervous, and, and I'm afraid. And, and I know what happened last time. And I can hear the words of that doctor in Ohio saying she may not make it through the night. And I'm thinking that was there and this is here and, and I can't take a chance. And, and we rush to the back of this little hospital and there's a new little wing and we open the doors and the doors shut behind us and we're both standing there and we're in the darkness. Not a single light on in that little office. And again, in my mind, I said, God, link, don't linger, hurry and go for what? Why are we here, God? And I'm at panic, and right at that moment, the door opens on the side of that little room, and light shines out into our darkness, and this tall, slender lady walks by the door, and she looks back out, and she slowly opens that door. She looked terrified, probably thinking, who are these people standing in the office with the lights off? And I don't even give her a chance to say anything. I just go on my spiel. My wife's ejection fracture rate dropped below 5% two years ago. And I'm telling this lady all of this information. Her eyes are that big around. And she's looking very nervous. And she finally says, sir, just calm down. It's okay. She said, I'm a cardiologist from the Mayo Clinic. And I just arrived in the Malawi today. And I forgot my paperwork in the office. And I was coming back to get it. And how did you get into this office with the doors locked and closed? And I heard the Lord speak to me again. I told you to go quickly. Do not linger. Go now. You know what? My wife went into her office. She did all of the tests and charged us 60 U.S. dollars. It would have been thousands. And she said, I don't know what's going on with your wife, but her heart is in perfect working order. Her ejection rate is perfect. All the valves are perfect. And we walked out of that little hospital, and we're sitting there waiting for some things. And all of a sudden, there's still not a human being in that hospital anywhere. And all of a sudden, over the loudspeakers, they start playing music. And it's just, word. there's no words, just that music. And whoever played it didn't know how to play it, but they were playing it. But you know what the song was? Great is thy faithfulness begin to play and we're sitting there crying in that little hospital you know what God could have healed her in the laundry room but you know what God wanted to prove to us when the hedge comes down I will intervene I will take care of you and you think it's just an accident out of 20 million people she was the only heart doctor in our nation and just by accident she left her paperwork I don't think so God will step in if we can trust him in the midst of every battle I want to encourage someone today if the hedge comes down God has orchestrated it and God has another facet he wants to show you. If I only knew God from this angle, but I can tell you after that Seventh-day Adventist hospital, I seen a whole other facet of God. I seen him as a healer and a miracle worker and as a provider and as someone who would order my steps. And when those things happen now, I'm on this side of it and I say, God, I can trust you because you are in charge. Never make any mistake about it. God is in charge of our lives. Read the scriptures in Job. Job was touched and hedged by God, and the hedge couldn't come down without God writing a permission slip. Satan can't do anything against any of us without permission from heaven. So if you're in a battle, the Satan may be bringing the trouble, but God allowed him to do it. And that may not go well with our theology. We may not like that as a human being saying, well, God's a faithful, loving God. No, God knows. Let the enemy come in like a flood so I can raise up a standard. Let them mend it for evil and I will turn it around for good. Let me take you into a desert to make a highway. Let me show you I will be the Lord thy God that will provide for you. I can tell you today, my testimonies have come out of my darkest, deepest pits, but God has showed up in those hours greater than ever before if you're in a battle if, you, if the hedge has come down know that God has orchestrated it and God is working on your behalf and God is putting it together to show you another facet of his life I remember when I was a little boy I was under the age of 10 and I and my my mother and father as I said raised us in the church and and I my dad was a, a very outgoing our personalities are much alike 
but he was a salesman for 40 years, and, and my dad worked six days a week, and even on Sunday, we would go to church. He would drop us off, eat a sandwich on the way to work, go work for three hours, come home, take us to church. We did that for 25, 30 years, never missed a service, ever in my dad's life on Sunday, even though he was working six days a week because he knew my kids gotta be in the house of God. And, and I remember, though, as a, as a young boy, I remember my dad, you know, always when he would come home, would play with us and be, you know, joke around and all that, but that disappeared in our house, and I didn't understand that as a kid, and, and the, the laughter left. And my dad, I would catch him uh, weeping by himself, and I would catch him with his face just flushing, and he's balding, and his head would turn beet red, and he would just weep, and he would say, I can't talk now, son. And, and I would catch him praying all the time, and I didn't know what that was as a young man, but after about two weeks, it changed, and everything in the Gibbs household went back to normal. And I remember when I, I turned 18, 19, I sat down, and I was talking with my dad, and I said, I wanted to know what happened, dad, when I I was a kid and and what was going on during that time in our family and, and he began to share with me a, a, an incredible tragedy that had been going on in our family uh, extended and he said when I even thought about how horrific what had happened he said I just didn't want to live anymore he said because I didn't want to wake up and think about it all day long how something so horrible could happen and he said I wrestled with God and he said I wrestled with my prayer time and I wrestled how God could let something like this happen in our family when we have been so faithful to God and he said the hedge had certainly come down and he said it was just a nightmare and he said I've never faced a challenge of faith like that any time in my life he said up till that point and I said dad what changed it all he said let me tell you what changed it he said I went into the back of our house and my dad still lives in that house 45 years later and he said I stood in that little room in the back and I looked out that little window in the backyard and he said I stood there and he said I've never been so broken I've never been so um in a position where I feel like God has abandoned me. And he said, I begin to pray and begin to weep before God and said, God, what do you want? What can, I need you to intervene in our lives right now. I need you to step in to the Gibbs family. Help us in this situation. And the Lord, and, and my dad said, the Lord responded. And he said, the Lord did not give him the answer he was expecting. Instead of the Lord saying, I'm going to do this, this, and this for you, and all this is going to be fixed. He said, the Lord asked me a question. I said, what did he ask you, Dad? He said, the Lord asked me, can you worship me now? And my dad said, in the hardest moment of my life, as low as I could go, the hedge was completely down. I was being attacked, he said, on every side and just thinking about the scenarios that were going on, he said, were too much for me to even want to live. And he said, then God, instead of telling me he's going to fix it all and take care of everything, he puts something else on me. He asked me to do something. He asked me if I can worship him. And he said, all of a sudden, Chris, standing there in that room, he said, all of a sudden, I begin to remember all of the blessings of God and all of the goodness of God and how God had saved him from two packs a day and being almost alcoholic and coming out of an abusive home. And his very first service, he slid into the altar. Billy Cole laid hands on him and he received the Holy Ghost in 30 of my family followed him into the church and most of them are still there to this day and my dad said I begin to remember all of those things and he said I squared my shoulders and said God I can worship you now because you have never failed me you have always been there and he said I begin to worship the Lord until something broke in me and he said within 24 hours that entire situation completely turned around and God brought an answer out of it nobody was expecting I'm telling you, the secret is in our worship. When we get into a battle, when we get into family situations, and we get into job situations, and even spiritual situations, and we don't have answers, and it's easy to look back and say, God, you let the hedge down, and why are you doing this? No, just square your shoulders and say, God, you are in charge, and I'm just going to have a praise break. I'm just going to lift up my voice. Let me encourage somebody on this Sunday morning. God knows where you are because God has allowed you to get to where you are at the moment, but guess what? He's got a plan. Guess what? He's got answers. He's got direction, but he's waiting for us to begin to worship our way through it because when you worship in the midst of a battle, not only are you telling God that I trust you, you are telling Satan you're not in charge of all this. 
You don't have authority over me. You're not the one. You may be bringing the wind, but God still sent it, and God is still in charge of my life. I'm encouraging somebody today in this house. God knows where you are. And when the hedge comes down, don't trust your feelings. Too many people miss the will of God over their feelings. Even some of my dearest friends in the ministry, when they tell me I'm making this great decision because I feel it, and I know as ministers we, we feel it and say that because we've heard from God, but if you're just going on feeling, it's always a red flag for me. Don't go on feeling, go on the word of God because it never changes. Jesus Christ fasting 40 days and nights as God manifested in the flesh would not trust his own feelings, his own emotions, but three times said it is written. If he had to trust the word, we've got to trust the word. And when we get in our battles, don't look to blame anyone. Just say, God, you're doing something in my life. Something good is getting ready to come out of this. Something is happening in my life. If God sends a storm, just dance in the rain. If God allows trouble to come, say, Lord, you're the author and you are the finisher of my faith. This storm will not discourage me. What I feel will not stop me. And even what we hear from other people, don't let it shut you down. And what you see, don't let it stop you. We do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. God is the author and finisher of that faith. He has put that inside of us. And if we can grab hold of our faith in God, it lets us know he is putting all things together and he does all things well and he is orchestrating our life so he can do something tremendous. When Job was attacked, remember, first thing that came was the enemy tried to steal his ability to sacrifice and to worship. If we will sacrifice and we will worship, God will allow great things to happen in our lives. God will allow blessing after blessing. If you can sacrifice in the midst of your tragedy, if you can worship in the midst of your despair, that's when you have told heaven and hell that I know who's in charge and I am confident in who I have believed and my faith is unmovable and it's unshakable. There's something that just happens. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but someone please hear this missionary. God is holding you in the hollow of his hand. And if he's allowed a little wind to come and a little, a little a storms to come in your life, it's all right. He's allowed it for a reason. And I tell my children, when trouble comes and storms come, don't begin to accuse God of anything, but stop and say, God, what do you want me to learn in this? God doesn't waste any time in our life. No scenarios, no days or no hour. We waste time, but God doesn't waste time. He is a perfect manager of these things and he keeps them all in perfect, meticulous order. And all we have to do is slow down in the midst of our storm. You know what? Just like me in the hospital that night, I was a little too wound up. If I would have slowed down a little more, I probably would have got the answer a lot faster. But Sometimes we're just looking for an answer here, there, and everywhere instead of just saying, God, what do you want me to learn? I can just stand still, like Moses said, and I can see the salvation of God. When trouble comes, it's in our nature, all of us, to run. But with God, we just stand still and know that he is working for us and he is working with us. Let's stand today in the house of the Lord. The Lord knows where you are today. We know we're in Richmond we know we're in the house of the Lord, but God knows literally where we are spiritually, emotionally, physically, mentally. When the Lord was reaching for Adam and Eve in the garden and said, where are you? I don't believe he was asking for their geographical locations. He was saying, Adam, where are you? And I believe God is in this house today. And he is saying, I know where you are. And I've orchestrated these things and I've allowed them. And God knows what you're facing. But I believe today God wants to give somebody a supernatural touch. He wants to give us strength today so that if we are on the other side of this trial, we're getting ready to come out of it, and we're going to come out of it with victory. Or if you're just going into it, you know, you know what? It's going to be all right. God has authored this, and God is with me, and God is going to help me. And if you find yourself maybe in the middle of the battle, then you also know God is going to take care of it, and he will see me through. And I 
promise you, you will come out on the other side with more arrows in your quiver than you had when you went in. God will equip you. He will prepare you in the battle. Let's lift our hands today in this house, Lord. I thank you for your presence, Lord. I thank you for every man, woman, boy, and girl that is in this house, Lord. I thank you today, God, that you are indeed the author and the finisher of our faith today, God. I pray today, Lord, that you will strengthen, Lord, someone in this house, Lord, and you will remind them, Lord, today that you do indeed hold them in the hollow of your hand and out of my hand you said none can deliver Lord you know us Lord our hairs of our head are numbered and we are the apple of your eye we are your sons and your daughters God and you know very well how to please us more than we do ourselves God if you are allowing a battle to come and strip us of some things God then strip us of them God if you are adding things into our lives for the next phase of life or ministry add them Lord but one thing Lord in the midst of our battles in the midst of our night season in the midst of a trial we will trust you and we will praise you and the enemy will not steal my worship the circumstances will not steal my praise but I will always give thanks unto the Lord I will lift up my voice I will look up unto the hills from which cometh my help because my God your God is a very present help in time of trouble I will seek you Lord I will ask of you and I will knock on that door God knowing that you are faithful. I pray today right now, Lord, let a spirit of faith and a spirit of strength, Lord, wash over us today, God. Let us be strengthened in the midst of the battle. Let us silence every adversary and every enemy that would talk against the children of God. I pray today, Lord, let victory after victory, miracle after miracle come out of the trials that people are in, God, for your glory, Lord, and for our strength, oh God. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus told the Apostle Peter, you're going to be sifted. Satan himself is going to be doing the work. But I love what Jesus said. He said, after you have come out of this, strengthen your brethren. In other words, to the Apostle Peter, I already know you're going to be sifted. You're going to face a trial. But I know what has been poured into you and you will make it through this and you will come out of it and you will strengthen other people. And I know in this house today you could testify of trials you have been through and situations you have already faced and now you have gained experience and you have helped other people along the way. We don't like the trial when we're in it, but I could say today that I would go through it again to help the people I have helped in my exact same scenario because it strengthens the body of Christ. We need each other. We need each other today, amen. And when we go through those battles, it's not always just about us. It's about someone else. And maybe you're here today like that Apostle Peter and, and the Lord said, you're gonna go through a trial, but guess what? The Lord said, you're going to come out of it. You're coming out on the other side and you're gonna strengthen them around you. And in just a few short days, you're gonna preach Pentecost and you're gonna turn the world upside down. But it's necessary, it's necessary. Someone hear me today, trials are necessary for us to go from level to level never to go down they're not descending stairs they're ascending stairs going up God changes our view, changes our perspective. Why? Because we see him in a different facet. And when the trial comes, we don't begin to be introverted. We begin to say, God, I know you're still in charge of this and you're gonna help me through it. If you feel that way today, let's clap our hands one more time unto the Lord and let's worship 